I heard something I liked this week on the YouTubes. So before the show starts, I cooked up this quick homage for your convenience. Hi, Aaron Raw. I don't think you and I have before now spoken, but let's, uh, let's solve that problem. For those of you who are keeping score, this is what it sounds like when you preach to the converted. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get an amen? For those who are keeping track, the distinctions are uh, semasiological and onomasiological. The uh, semasiological one would be the general dictionary, whereas the onomasiological one will be a specialized dictionary. The semasiological dictionary is something like the Merriam-Webster's di Merriam Dictionary I pulled up. An onomasiological dictionary would be something like Tabor's Cyclopedic Medical Dictionary, which, if you don't know how it's organized and how the words are constructed, is not going to be useful information for you. If you don't know how these dictionaries operate, you will not be able to make use of that because it is so specialized that only people who are expressly trained in it or who happen to have an interest in studying it will be able to even sensibly wrestle with the words in that onomasiological dictionary. Moreover, Aaron Raw, I know beyond all doubt that you are aware of the distinction because you, like so many other atheists, quite properly in this case, whine and complain about the, the equivocation that happens with respect to using terms as their theory as it's used in science with a very specialized, particular, onomasiological definition versus the general use of the word theory that creationists want to use, the semasiological definition. You too are aware of the distinction between technical dis definitions and general definitions. And you quite properly point out the logically fallacious reasoning and argumentation on behalf of creationists with respect to their insisting on using a general term when what is actually relevant here is a technical term. My point in response to you is that's exactly what's happening here with this concept of feminist and feminism. You're trying to use this very general definition that is inapposite here in as much as feminism has, for better or worse, become an actual academic, and I use that tongue-in-cheek slightly, field. It now has its own particular vocabulary, its own specialized uses of words, and you are either profoundly ignorant of this, or you are willfully misrepresenting the position to the audience who are themselves not in a position to understand what it is that you're doing to them. How you can be ignorant of these definitions beggars my imagination. Either you don't do your research, in which case you're inept, or you do do your research, in which case you know this and you say otherwise, which makes you a lying douchebag who will tell whatever little lies he needs to tell to protect his ideology, kind of like lying for Jesus. You have a great day there, pumpkin. Integral math, just a car. Integral math, just a car. Integral math, just a car. This week on Apostasy Now, we've got Rene Chenard. Now, he's a Canadian. He actually lives pretty close to where I'm at. And he actually went to Canada's Human Rights Tribunal to get Bible distributions removed from the local schools. This is a victory. And I think you're going to find not only is he a positive person, he's very informed, and he's good at explaining how the system works. So even if you're not in Canada you can still probably learn something from somebody who's been through the system and is still available to talk to anyone, has a website. I'll put all that in the notes. This interview's great. Smashlock and I really enjoy talking to Renee, and I know you're going to enjoy listening to him. He speaks clearly, 
And uh, I think that you'll be encouraged to pick your battles and stick to it because it's worth it. Because I'm very much a skeptic. More, I'm, I'm more of a skeptic than I am an atheist. I mean, atheist is a conclusion based on my skepticism. You'll have to come like a little child to the foot of the cross. That attitude is what is responsible for the rise of atheism. That's not what Islam is all about. Islam is peace. What is the penalty for leaving the Muslim faith? With a death penalty. Thank you. This is apostasy now. For people to get the information correct before they start yap, yap, yapping. Get ready to root for the bad guys. Because we need evidence. The only evidence. Uh, we've read a couple of times your story on our show. A lot of times we don't hear very uh i guess it was kind of a mixed result but we didn't we don't normally hear anything positive when it comes to the front on these types of things it's too often it's a, a total loss when we're talking about uh separation of church and state right i, I don't think you've been listening uh w- well enough i mean we got uh you got a large prayer to the schools uh 20 years ago we got uh, gideon's out now you know i, I think society's moving in a steady direction you tend to hear a lot more noise when when we lose than when we win, but uh, that's true. There's lots going on. That uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on. I mean, we're winning every day. I think a lot a lot of people still really don't understand how the whole process works. So I was thinking maybe you could kind of just give us a walkthrough about uh, you know when this started and uh, what you like what the steps were that you took, how you went through it. Sure, absolutely. Well, let me use my case as an example, but uh, I'll I'll give you the sort of the broader. Um, version so that uh, anyone else who has a beef uh, can consider it. Um, of course, in our case, the school's uh, doing a variety of things, and we're looking at doing some more action against them, but um, one of the things that we thought was pretty blatant and obvious was Gideon Bibles. They're handing out Gideon Bibles. Uh, not actually handing out the Bibles, handing, sitting home notes saying Gideon Bibles are available um, to, to all the grade 5 kids in, well, in our school. It depended on the principal. So uh, pretty blatant, pretty obvious. Um, either you're giving out religious material from all the religions because that's part of your mandate or you shouldn't be doing any at all. So we approached the school. First off, you have to establish, are they discriminatory on their actions? So we went and we said, okay, well, there's a book um, on uh, that's age-appropriate on non-belief, and there's a variety of them out there. Um, Steve, uh, Stephen uh, Dawkins, uh, Richard Dawkins, rather, just came up with a, a fairly good one, too. But we did one from Dan uh, Barker, but a little older. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we said, hey, you know, um, okay, so you're giving out religious material. Uh, this is our perspective. Um, you're going to do that. It's no way. Okay, so they're discriminating. Right? Yeah. Established. So uh, we actually talked to a lawyer, um, so who's the step everybody else can skip. Um, because we weren't really sure how to proceed. He sent a letter to the board saying, hey, you know what, you're out of line, so fix it. You know, or else there's going to be repercussions, basically. And, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, coming from a lawyer, usually he, he actually laughed about it and said, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, well, of course they will. <laughs> you know, they're, they're blatantly in the wrong. Of course they're going to have to because as soon as you get a lawyer, a lawyer sends yeah. you a letter, you know, you're, the game's up. And surprise, surprise, they didn't. But his recommendation to us was, and this is where everybody else could just skip to, you don't need a lawyer to go to human rights tribunal. Um, you, you need to uh, you know, have a lot of self-esteem. Because I sat in a room with uh, six other um, constitutional lawyers to argue this case. 
but uh, um, you know, you you can just file a complaint, and uh, there's no cost to doing that. It's kind of a social justice thing. Um, the tribunals have a bad reputation in a lot of sense. People think they're abused and what have you, but you know what? They're the only facility we have in, in Ontario to stand up and say, I'm a little guy, I don't have a lot of money, I can't really afford to do a legal challenge, but something's wrong and I want to speak out about it. So um, you file the complaint, you wait a very long time, um, you gather you know, you gather evidence in an actual way. I mean, that's that's the important thing. People get up and then they make, kind of think they're going to, you know, just say, well, you know, I'm not happy about it and I don't think it's right and somebody else should look into this. No, you have to do it. You have to come up and say, here's here's the case. Look, look at the legislation yourself. Look at the evidence they're able to bring forward. Demonstrate that what they did was wrong. Um, in this case, uh, we showed that uh, they wouldn't dem- they wouldn't distribute material from either us personally or uh, we finally actually got a Islamic group to uh, offer to distribute stuff, and they didn't distribute that either. Oh, <laughs> so wow. we established. Yeah, I think it was just, it may have been the same group that did, ended up doing something in um, Waterloo because it was just before the Waterloo thing, and then in Waterloo they their school board said, well, we're going to let everybody distribute. So this so an Islamic group come up and said, well, okay, you know, like not to be bad guys about it. I mean, it was moderate Islamic groups and not um, anyone that was uh, socially a problem. And uh, the, the, the people of Waterloo just went nuts. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's all fair, right? Until somebody else tries to take a turn. You know, it's all, oh, we're not doing anything wrong. Oh, you're going to do the same thing. No way. This is terrible. You can't do that. Hurt. You know, so that's kind of that's where it went. But, uh, um, you know, the, the process, uh, and like I say, a lot of people don't like the human rights tribunals because, or, you know, any of the tribunal systems in Ontario because anybody can bring a complaint and then you have to kind of defend yourself and, you know, there's no cost to it or whatever. And maybe there should be some kind of a fee or something, but, you know, for a small, you know, for a parent, you know, or, you know, somebody working in a job that's not being treated properly or any of this sort of stuff, I mean, what do you do? You invest $100,000 in legal fees to get Bibles out of the school. You have no recourse to people that are blatantly flagrantly, you know, discriminating and, and avoiding the law, the tribunals give you that recourse. If the Gideons are known for one thing, it's Bibles. This warehouse is full of them. And while many will be shipped off to hotel and motel rooms across the country, others are destined for public school classrooms. These small paperback New Testaments are part of a long-standing school distribution program according to Executive Director Paul Mercer. In 1946, it started in a little town outside of uh, Regina, Saskatchewan. Now we're in 191 different countries, uh, giving it to students in grade five. But Renee Schwinnard says it's a choice no school or parent should have to make. When his 10-year-old daughter came home with the permission card, he took action. People have been coming to the school board saying we're not comfortable with this for years and the school board has not responded and, and, and clearly was not responding. So we went to a lawyer and we said, we see what's the route to go? He looked the case over and he said, well, you absolutely have a, a case here. Bring this to the Human Rights Tribunal. This is the appropriate place to go. Schwinnard, a humanist, claims the distribution program violates freedom of religion, including the right not to believe in anything. The issue is that the school board is clearly siding with what they view one group over other groups and uh, in a multicultural uh, environment um, that's a problem and certainly on any um, state where we want to have freedom of religion and freedom for all the different groups 
you need to also accompany that with um, separation of the government, the church and state. School boards must now decide whether to accommodate all faiths or none at all. How would you feel about Mormons distributing the Book of Mormon? How would you feel about Muslims distributing the Quran? How would you feel about your latest cult that you really don't like distributing their literature to impressionable young people? Absolutely. Absolutely. If they present their case to the school board and the principal, and, the, and if they find there's value in, the, in what they're offering, fine. For Schwinnard, this is the wrong approach. Well, they've opened a whole can of worms. Well, I actually had a question for you. So this is just a, to kind of help clear up maybe a misconception of my own. Um, when I was reading the article uh, last time, I, I'm curious. Was your intention to have all of the materials uh, be allowed to be distributed equally? Or were are you of the mindset that religion and religious material should be kept out of the schools altogether? Uh, I, uh, as you might suspect, uh, I have a bit of a mixed um, perspective on that. Um, first off, I think you have to look at uh, age appropriateness. Um, I don't think that grade five, ten-year-old kids are the battleground for religious uh, doctrines. I, I just don't think that's appropriate. Um, having had young kids myself, uh, you know, uh, my whole thing was just leave my kids alone. If you want to talk yeah. to me about religion, come talk to me about religion. But, you know, leave my kids alone. And when they get old enough, then you can have that discussion with them too. But for the time being, at, you know, at this young age, and I would think anything, you know, basically below puberty or uh, I, I don't talk to kids unless they're basically, well, unless they're not kids anymore, to be frank, because they're going to wait till someone's like 17, 18 years old before I say anything to them. Um, it's just not appropriate to go around, you know, after young young people that uh, you know causes disruption in the family, all that sort of stuff. So, um, at the age that they were doing it, there should be nothing at all, uh, absolutely. And we offered to distribute something only to show that um, it's inappropriate, basically, and that the school board was not being fair and just in, in what they were doing. <clears throat> so it was to set the example that what they were doing, they were pretending that, oh, no, we're just being doing a nice thing, but as soon as somebody else came along, the, the story would change, and it did. Um, however, that said, when you get a little bit older, uh, a lot of the high schools uh, in Ontario have um, a world religion course in, I, I think it's grade 10 or 11 or something is what it's intended to, although I assume any high school kids take it. Um, bring it on. You know, anytime you want to come up, especially if you include secular humanism, anytime you want to come up and say, hey, here's uh, here's your religion, but here's all these other ones that are currently available, and maybe some of the myth that, uh, you know, uh, Hercules used to be a, you know, a demigod, uh, you know, hugely thought of in the culture that he came from, now he's a Disney movie, um, but that's a legitimate religion at one time. Bring all that stuff on. Let's put all that stuff on the table. Thor was uh, was somebody important before he became uh, associated with Marvel, you know. And that's where these guys, these gods, end up, right? I mean, as soon as the last guy that believes in them dies, now they're myth. They're not they're not religions anymore. It's just myth, and we make Disney movies about them. But um, you know, up until then, we have to oh, we're very serious, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's nonsense in my view. But uh, bring all that stuff, put it all on the table, put on the fact that. Uh, huge parts of our culture, a huge part of Ontario for sure, and in Canada, plus most of Europe, um, really don't follow any of this stuff anymore. We've kind of left that behind us back in antiquity. It's, it's third world countries and stuff where we have strong religious beliefs because people are very poor and they're looking for something to hang on to. So, you know, there's a whole lot of psycho psychology as to why we have religions, but not a whole lot of theology uh, supporting it because 
you know, when you have 50 different gods that are all coming from based on where you're born, not, you know, some divine thing, then it kind of becomes obvious that, you know, this is a cultural, not a supernatural uh, uh, thing going on. So then to kind of expand on, on my question, would your preferred outcome to your case had been them saying, all right, if you're not going to distribute all materials equally, then no materials will be distributed at this age because it's not appropriate? Yeah, absolutely. Well, no indoctrinational material should be distributed for any reason anywhere in the school system. I mean, it doesn't make any, in the public system, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to have information about religions, there's no problem. Hey, information, I'm all for that, right? But indoctrinational stuff. Where we're bringing in, we're, there's no there's no course that we're taking. Where we're comparing um, Islam to Hinduism or something. We're not doing that. We're just going to say, oh, here's a bunch of religious stuff. That stuff I don't think belongs in schools at all. Uh, certainly doesn't belong in schools um, with younger kids that are that are maybe influenced by it. They're going to get teachers and stuff standing up. Kids love their teachers, and you know it's, it's like a extended parent. So you get a teacher standing up, and she has to have these weird ideas that parents don't agree with I mean that's traumatic for a kid so um, yeah so our you know our thing has always been <clears throat> you know teach teach kids as much as you can but but don't indoctrinate them in public schools and stay away from other people's kids like you know for crying out loud even if the kid's being taught wrong it's probably better that he not have people openly challenging his, his parents authorities or whatever um, you know in, in in his mind when he's that young. I mean, they need to have that stability of knowing that they can trust their parents and all that sort of stuff. And let's face it, half the time parents are wrong, but, um, <laughs> you know, hey, <laughs> you know, we, we will be too. Wait, wait until you have kids and they tell you. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly like really empathize or sympathize with your situation because I have three children myself. So like when I picked out your story the other, the other day that we were recording an episode and we talked about it briefly, I, I was curious to actually ask you whether or not you felt the results of your case kind of backfired because I, w I was curious if if your true intent was to kind of remove this age-inappropriate indoctrination material from the schools, but then you're coming at it from the angle of it's being we're, we're being discriminated against, so either treat everyone equally by not having this material or treat everyone equally by having the material. How do you feel about the results of the ruling, well, well, the ruling, the the, the ruling was bang on, um, and you're right. There's a there's a little issue there because we would prefer not to have indoctrination material at all. But the ruling is open to uh, treating everyone equally. Um, I was advised about a week ago that the school board has in fact banned everything. Oh, okay, so excellent. they did exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, so they basically said since we don't support the other alternative material, we're just going to go with no material. Yeah, and, and since I, I launched the case, there's been about four other boards, uh, Waterloo being the most uh, notable because they had a big, big uh, issue happen in the media there. But there's uh, Clearwater had one. There's a couple of others. Every single board um, has come to the same conclusion. They've all said we're not going to have it at all, and there's a reason for that. Because although the court ruling or the hearing ruling did leave open the possibility that you, as long as you're treating everyone equally, you're allowed to treat everyone equally. You know, I mean, that's the, kind of the way the legislation is. So if they're treating all religious points of view equally, then they can actually distribute everything. But the, the downside is, look at some of the nonsense. And what do you define <laughs> as a religion in the first place? Right? So really, you're going to send a little junior home with something, uh, you know, uh, the... Uh, um, uh, 
Your thetan levels are too high, Junior. Please join yeah. Scientology. <laughs> Zenu yeah, needs absolutely. You. I mean, there's stuff there that you just sit back and, you know, uh, smoke pot in Jamaica and, <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, yeah. it's part of the religion, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's stuff out there. And, and, and uh, to be fair to the restitutions there, or whatever <laughs> you pronounce that, um, you know, I mean, I think they actually have a sincere thing and they're, you know, there's actually some, some reality to that. It wasn't just an excuse to smoke pot, but... Um, you know, that ain't our culture, and that's not what most parents in our culture would want their kids to bring in home from school. So uh, we have enough kids bringing that home from school already. <laughs> well, um, I guess it depends if it's printed on paper that you can then break down and roll up into something you can use for recreation. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so the, what is it you're going to allow the kids to send home? And at what point, if soon as you say, wait a minute, you know, that nonsense cult that had some really bad stuff going on and all this sort of stuff, he's trying to distribute stuff, you know, that's outside of the realm, but you're back in court, you know, because by their perspective, a lot of, you know, the, the neat thing about nut cases is that usually they actually aren't legitimately nut cases. Um, they, they really believe it, <laughs> you know, so they're sincere and, uh, you know, they have sincere beliefs. So if you're going to come in and say, we're going to let people with sincere beliefs distribute stuff, you're looking at everything. And uh, so, of course, there's only one solution to that, and that is that schools should be teaching kids about math and literature and all that stuff. And uh, um, if people want to do some religious stuff, they can do that with their families. And uh, there's lots of community uh, organizations that feed churches on every corner almost. So there's lots of places for them to go. Okay. Uh, they don't need that in school. Well, then... My my final question, and and, and I'm sorry, uh, Dragonbeard, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, in my own personal experience, I, I've had a bit of an ongoing knee-jerk reaction to something a school in my local area is doing. It's actually a school my kids go to. And basically what's happened is that uh, the first few years my children were at school, they got sent home with um, invitations to a Bible club that was held at that school by a local Baptist church. And I went and spoke to the principal of the school, and they said that this Baptist church, generally, um, the people who attend are already members of that church, but that they've been allowed to send these pamphlets home with other children to try and get them to join and sit in with their friends, and that the church rents the space after hours, and that makes it okay. And my counter-argument to this so far with the school has been, you are allowing a religious organization whether they rent the space or not, to come in and espouse particular worldview to a group of school children in a school setting, which gives that uh, particular group the appearance of school authority. And, you know, it's in, a, it's, in a, it's in the place where they go to learn things that are factual, and then they're being taught this. And I asked, I said... What if I want to come in and teach a critical thinking and reasoning club? Are you going to allow that? And they're like, oh, what are your qualifications? Well, what's the qualifications of the lady who comes from the church? <laughs> so, yeah. so Possible I'm curious. qualifications can you have to teach a man? Yeah, exactly. Belief so, that God spoke to her at night. <laughs> yeah. So, like, my, my curiosity is that, like, me personally, I don't have any experience dealing with these kind of cases or tribunals. So, if I were to want to take this further, do you think I, A, have a case, and B, um, like, what, what step would I actually take? Or is it just basically following the steps you mentioned before? Yeah. Um, first, let's have a conversation, uh, you know, offline and on the side, because uh, I'll, um, hold, you know, 
fill the form out for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I think you might have a little bit of a case there. Uh, that's an interesting twist. Um, the the fact that the kids are used to the school setting and that that that's significant to them. I, I've never thought of that before, but it's a very good um, issue. However, generally speaking, I would say, uh, and being a taxpayer, as I'm sure we both are, um, you know, school boards uh, are stra strapped for money and renting space is a revenue generation thing that they can do. They don't use the school on weekends or after hours or whatever, and there's nothing wrong with them renting it as long as they're doing that in a completely fair way. So the fact that the church group is renting the space, although I question why a church group that has a church would be renting space from a school other than to give that impression, I don't see an issue that they that you can say they're not allowed to do that. The point where it becomes interesting is, and I would encourage you to write a letter. Um, it shouldn't be too hard to put together a critical thinking thing. Incidentally, um, if you do and they accept, you might get a lot of kids um, because um, people way overestimate the uh, the the um, Christian uh, population or way underestimate the interest in non-belief. Um, but uh, um, I would formally request to, uh, you know, get basically the same deal that the church got and uh, do a critical thinking. Um, and I would be explicit about uh, it being uh, secular humanists um, lean towards it. And the reason I would be explicit about that is because I suspect that your school board will say, well, there's no way we're having atheists in here. And that's exactly, that, that shows the discrimination. As soon as they go, oh, this is an atheist group. Well, we're not allowing that. Then, you, then, then they're discriminating. Okay. If they're turning around and saying we just rent space, they don't care who it is, and they don't care. That's fine. But as soon as, if you make it explicit that you intend to teach critical thinking in in relation to religious uh, doctrines, and that you're coming at it from a secular humanist position, um, then if they then turn around and say, oh no, we don't think you're qualified or whatever, there's no qualifications. You know, churches don't have qualifications either. I mean, they have some Bible thing that they go to and they all go, oh yeah, praise the Lord, and then they say, this guy said it really well, we're going to make him the minister. There's nothing, you know, I mean, there's stuff you can study, literature and stuff around church groups, but there's nothing, um, there's no qualifications for being to speak for God. Okay, if there were one, there still wouldn't be any qualifications. You just have to pay, take it on trust that the guy's being motivated properly. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, come on. <laughs> um, but uh, um, you know, there is. There, I mean, if you have an education or something, or you study philosophy, I mean, that's always better. If you uh, intend to bring in speakers that studied philosophy or something, well, then you've biased up the whole thing because your own personal qualifications don't matter. But certainly, if they reject. Um, your offer to come and do something equivalent to what the church group is doing, on but specifically for non-belief, and uh, the church group is a religious group, and they're saying, well, we're going to let the church in, but not you, then they're absolutely discriminating. I would absolutely do exactly, I would just follow the exact case that I did. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely, because this is clearly, you know, let's get this stuff away from our kids. Yeah, no, and I, and I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. This, is, yeah. this is for young grades. Yeah, like I mean, this is of anywhere course. from from <laughs> the like this school goes all the way to grade to grade eight, and the membership is from grade eight all the way down to as low as grade one, from what I understand. So I mean, oh, we're talking, sure, kids. I'm is, sure they'll take the junior kindergarten kids too. Oh, probably. I, I I'm sure they would. And I mean, like I've seen the club. I believe that the membership was about thirty kids at least two years ago. The last time I really raised my voice about it. <laughs> 
because, you know, I was really, really not happy about it. But the one day I'm standing out in the hallway picking up my children and the woman who comes in and teaches it starts, you know, talking to me. And I'm like, oh, what are you teaching them today? And she goes, oh, we're, we're teaching them about um, uh, Jeremiah, I believe it was. Okay. And I'm like, and if I, if memory serves, isn't that the story in the Bible about the genocide of of a city? I think uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Or, oh, <laughs> you might be thinking of Jericho. Jericho. I'm you sorry, got, Jericho. You, yeah, yeah. You, you got to be really old to get the bullfrog. <laughs> no, Jeremiah was a I used, bullfrog. Yeah, I remember that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no. Jeremiah. You know what? I forget offhand. Um, Jeremiah. I, no, I, uh, Jericho. Jericho. Uh, oh, oh, so it was yeah. oh, Jericho, Jericho. The city? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting uh, piece. And I'm like, you're teaching kids about the story of Jericho? They usually leave out the details about killing the babies and stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Take, but, like, nice I mean, I just stood there horrified. Like, I mean, you have to do some serious, serious mental gymnastics to be able to teach a room full of school-aged children about Jericho in any... Any this positive is, way. Yeah, this, this is genocide. I mean, the, the, the Old Testament stories were uh, stories of genocide. They were they were wiping out the people that were in the land and, and, and coming in and taking it over. I mean, it's exactly, um, you know, it's exactly what we're accused to do with the natives, although we put up reservations and stuff, which were terrible, and we did terrible things and all that sort of stuff, but at least we didn't we try to, well, we did. We started them all by shooting all the buffaloes. Us in the in the U.S., but I mean, you know, there's we didn't completely commit genocide. There's they're still around, but that that's that's a story of complete genocide. It's murder every man, woman, child. In a couple of cases, they got lucky and they allowed them to keep the uh, the um, um, young girls who uh, had oh, not yeah. been touched yet and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it's the only you know child molesting. It's the only with <laughs> yeah. high with the with the 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 high spot of it. I mean, it, it, they're horrific stories and. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to find a moral story in the Bible is, is a, a true challenge. Um, New Testament's less harsh than the Old, but it's not that much better. Um, not really. It's the it's the first point in theology of Christianity, anyway, uh, where uh, you see the concept of infinite punishment for finite crime really take hold. Oh, absolutely. And never mind just your own punishment. We're going to punish you. We're going to punish your children. We're going to punish your grandchildren. Um, it's like, holy jeez, really? Your slaves get punished? <laughs> when it comes to uh, looking at the Bible, when you start understanding it as a mythology, and you're not reading these as historical events, it's a lot easier to find it palatable, like you say, in a course that would be religious comparative studies or cultural studies. Uh, because you're not, like I said, it's not a historical event. So the, the genocide plays a dramatic role in a fiction story. But yeah, teaching kids this stuff like history, wow! <laughs> I yeah. was I was taught this stuff myself. I was just telling my dad uh, the other day that uh, the bedtime stories he wrote he would read to us. <laughs> they had these really nice drawings, like nice artwork in them. Oh, yeah, they were they were Bible stories. But yeah. the one I remember out of all the pictures is this: the picture of David holding Goliath's head with black blood running out of the top of the head. Oh yeah, lovely shot. That yeah, was. <laughs> it was a bedtime story. You see. <laughs> Hey, listen, uh, you know, to, to, to give the biblical authors a, a, a little bit of slack here, uh, Disney has Disney stories aren't that much better. I mean, find me a Disney story where, where the kids' parents don't get slaughtered. It's true. <laughs> uh, you know? I mean, Bambi. If you ever <laughs> the mother gets shot, oh yeah. Um, 
the uncle murders the father in Lion King. I mean, for crying out, it hasn't you know even over generations. I don't know what it is we do to our kids, but I really sit back and look at some of the stuff that goes through. Hey, on a positive note, I can think of one in The Little Mermaid. Um, the father survives. The mother was absent the whole movie, so she probably ran off with a younger, better-looking fish. But either way, <laughs> you know, at least one of the parents was still there at the end. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, and yeah, and nothing particularly bad. It ends up okay for him anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's, that's a bright note. Yeah, some fish story. <laughs> hey, but it's a great place to visit if you ever, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Bring, bring the little kids, man. They're a lot of fun there. Uh, uh, Harry Potter, too. That's more, it's like a very recent one where it starts out very light, but it gets dark by the end. And yeah, I know a lot of kids that they'll go right to the end. They seem to be, you know, they're captivated by it, but they don't seem scarred. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's funny about kids. Um, you know, they they get exposed to really, really bizarre stuff. I mean, um, the Mother Goose stuff, Brothers Grimm, apparently, and I don't, I'm not an expert on this, but apparently they're all stuff that was taken from the old religious um, pagan stuff from Europe that was being lost because of Christianity was taking it over. And they weren't trying to preserve the religion. They just wanted to kind of keep the culture stuff a little bit, so they yeah. converted them to kids' stories. But, I mean, those are all horrific uh, to children, you know, the, the witch shows them in the oven and cooks them alive and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, kids have grown up with this stuff, and uh, I think it explains why the world's such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Holy geez, really? But, uh, yeah, no, kids seem resilient to stuff. I don't know. It's weird. That, that's probably something in, uh, you know, evolution or whatever. I was going to ask, you said the one book that you use is by Dan Barker, right? Yeah, um, Just Pretend, and, and basically... Um, uh, somebody had given it to us. Uh, our kids went to Camp Quest in Ontario, and uh, I think they picked it up there. So we had a copy of it. And uh, the particular da- daughter that uh, whose class it was that we decided to challenge <clears throat> um, really kind of liked the book. Um, although, in retrospect, I'd rather have gone with uh, Dawkins' uh, new book, except it ha- hadn't been published yet, because this one was a little hard on Santa Claus. So, um, <laughs> you know, hey. <laughs> Uh, a lot of parents still teach their kids, uh, you know, the whole Santa Claus thing too. We think it's funny or whatever. And uh, we didn't actually, by the way. Um, I just kind of thought it was better to be truthful, so we told them that the, the baby story and the Santa Claus story were both uh, stories. Yeah. But um, and they were okay with that, right? And we told them, by the way, don't tell anybody else because some people like to play a little game there, and they were fine. But um, some people do do that, and uh, you know, I don't I'm not have strong feelings one way or the other about how you deal with Santa Claus with your kids, so doesn't matter to me but that was the, that was the only downside i thought all the religious stuff was bang on but uh santa claus eh, kind of harsh <laughs> hello non-believers and seculars we'll be talking more about religion and politics on today's free thought radio i'm annie laurie gaylor and i'm dan barker your friendly neighborhood atheist of the airwaves free thought radio is the weekly production of the freedom from religion foundation In Canada, the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal has agreed to hear a complaint by a Niagara region parent who's objecting to Gideon Bibles in his daughter's school. Welcome to Free Thought Radio, Renee. Oh, thank you, Dan. Okay. And I guess I met you briefly a couple years ago at the uh, World Religions Conference. Was that where it was? Yeah, uh, yep, that's right. Yeah, that was pretty... They invited an atheist to a World Religions Conference, and so you and a bunch of secular humanists showed up, and we... We took our place at the table. And uh, this is actually where there's a tie-in with uh, Barker there because we, um, you know, we had to find something to distribute in order to challenge to see if they were doing this fairly. So we offered to distribute to our own child's class 
one time, one year, um, just pretend. So you were doing that to make a point. You didn't really want to distribute secular um, humanist atheist material to the children, right? I, no, I don't want to do that because, frankly, I don't think it's appropriate to be going after other people's kids. Well, I would have donated books, you know, if you'd, if you'd oh. asked. I would have donated we, maybe... We can't donate enough for the whole province of Ontario. That, what's the name of that book? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, it was... Um, uh, just, uh, just pretend. Just pretend. Yeah, yeah that's right. And then it had a subtitle with something as a primer or something for kids or something. But yeah, it's a, it's a really, uh, it really is age appropriate. Um, you know, it's it's all cartoons and you know, might even have that picture of uh, of Jason. Actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, with uh, or David rather with Goliath's head, because it did talk about some of the you know stories books that you get from other other stuff. But it talked about you know all sorts of gods. So. I have another question for you, actually, about this tribunal. Sure. Um, when a ruling is made by the tribunal, is it applied only regionally, or does it become something that becomes a precedent that is applied, or supposed to be applied province-wide, but you have to go, like, for instance, if in Waterloo a similar case came up as yours, would they just go and check and see, oh, yes, this case proves that this is wrong, therefore you have to change in accordance with this ruling, or do they have to go and seek out the details of your case and then present that as a grounds to have that region's rules changed? Yeah, um, very good question. There's a couple com components there. Um, let me start off with um, what it applies to. Um, the particular case, the ruling that we got, we were challenging our local board, so the ruling was against our local board. So he, the, the adjudicator, which is effectively the judge, made an order that our board would behave in a certain way, um, either okay. get rid of the policy or open it up. So the, the ruling itself or the judgment itself was a directive to the, the board to, to um, act in, the, in a particular way. Um, however, Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario obviously is Ontario-wide. So the tribunal system is a Ontario, um, it's, it's considered quasi-constitutional. Um, the, the nation has a constitution, the province has a document which is treated like a provincial version of the constitution, and that's uh, what the uh, Human Rights Tri uh, Code is. Um, so that that basically applies across. Um, but anytime you want to challenge something, I mean, it can be as, as, as blatant as uh, um, you want, but you, know, you have to make the argument that the other person is violating something. So you know, they really are kind of case by case. What you do is you have a lawyer send, or you can even do it and send a letter to whoever's doing something wrong. And you say, buddy, here's the case that says that what you're doing is wrong. And if you don't stop, we're going to pursue this and take you to, to a tribunal or to court or whatever you want to do with it. Um, you know, but if it's a criminal thing, then the police step in and they just automatically stop it. But for the civil stuff like this, um, you know, and they may argue, oh, no, no, that this, this particular situation doesn't apply, and then you end up doing a challenge by challenge. So, in fact, even though this ruling has come down, I may have to go school board to school board to get them all to stop doing it, um, or go after the, the Minister of Education and say, you put out a ruling <laughs> making them all stop doing it, because it's obvious that it's wrong. Yeah. So um, it seems like about six of one, half a dozen of the other. A little bit. Uh the, the other point to make, though, is although this is the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal, as it turns out, tribunals and um, the legal system will look for precedents in other jurisdictions. So even though this was resolved in Ontario, somebody in B.C. can quote this case in a challenge over there, and um, that would 
I mean, you know, it's it's so it could stretch case. beyond this province specifically Absolutely. and get into other provinces. Absolutely, it That's could have cool. a national thing. And this particular case is a precedent because um, people had challenged people on um, the, the the basis of creed before. Well, I'm Muslim and he's Catholic and he's making me do something Catholic and I want to be Muslim. But there never really was never really hashed out whether or not non-belief qualified. And uh, so this case really did establish that yes, if you're if you your view is non-belief, you're a secular humanist or an atheist or whatever term you want to use, um, you have every right that any religious person would have. It applies equally to you as it does to anyone else. If someone's doing something, they want to push something in the school or at the town hall or whatever, you can step in and say, well, unless you're doing my view too, and that counts, even though my view is that there isn't a God, so how is that a creed? It's a perspective on religion. So creed can be the belief in a religion or can be a perspective, you know, your view on religion. So, so we count. Um, so that's, that's an important thing. So it is, it is a precedent, this particular case, and uh, it, uh, it does apply nationally, although much stronger in Ontario than, uh, than in other provinces. Well, I guess like, was there another part of that? Like, no, that, that, that pretty much will cover everything I ask. I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Because it has to do with, I guess these issues will go back to the charter of, of rights that we have. Yes, absolutely. And uh, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association um, sat in and, and uh, um, intervened, I think was the term, um, made presentations on this case as well. And that uh, their intent on doing that was to bring in the charter. Because I, I, I didn't do anything with the charter because it's federal and this is obviously a provincial tribunal. Um, and then when I looked at it, I realized, well, the Ontario Code was more than enough to solve the issue anyway, so I didn't need to make a charter argument. But they felt compelled to come in, and they actually sent two lawyers. So as I say, I ended up in this room with six, you know, a judge and six um, constitutional lawyers, um, you know, in, a room in which I was making the lead presentation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is what you mean by having good self-esteem, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, um, you know that that four of the six were on my side. I, were, well, they weren't on my side. They weren't helping me at all. But they were the perspectives that basically supported uh, um, our views. Um, but their point was that the charter should be looked at as well in the case because the charter um, uh, clearly, you know, says the same thing. You can't do this sort of stuff. So it could have been a charter challenge. Getting the the prayer, uh, Lord's prayer, out of the school system. Um, was uh, done through the uh, uh, um, Canadian Charter of Rights rather than the Ontario Code, so that that was that was uh, automatic. I still remember making it. <laughs> What's that? I still remember making it when I was in school. The prayers. You don't re- oh yeah. You- give us our day. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Yeah. Blah, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, the uh, side note of that, and something I'm I'm looking at uh, as part of a second secondary case here is. Um, two out of three of my kids learned that prayer in school without our knowledge. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. They did it on the basis of uh, they have a, uh, there's a, a thing in grade three, so even much younger, um, about um, uh, Pioneer Day stuff. Yeah. So they do a little field trip to our local Pioneer Museum. And then the, the excuse was to make it like so they'd experience a day that the Pioneers had. Right. Um, so, well, Pioneer said the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of school, so they have to all learn it. And I remember uh, 
when I complained about it, I should have taken the court then. Um, big, my big regret was to be way too tolerant on these uh, these issues. Um, I learned over time that uh, if you allow a little bit, they take more. <clears throat> but uh, I remember talking to teachers like, "What the hell? Like, are you stupid? You're teaching the Lord's prayer to people's kids who don't want them to know it." And yeah. you know, like, why would you even do this? And he said, "Well, the only reason we teach it is because so many of the kids don't already know it." <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> did, did you not get something from that? <laughs> like, it's the dominant thing in the Christian religion. Oh, if the geez. kids don't know the main, number one main thing that you're supposed to learn, do you think maybe there's a reason? Like, <laughs> do you think really it's up to you to teach it? One of us. One of Isn't us. Google yeah. gobble. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I, you know, what I said earlier. That, you know, if you uh, offer a course, you might get a lot of takers. Um, I think there would be a lot more people in in my kids' schools that would have, uh, if several of them are openly non-believing, uh, you know, they're not public about it as I am, but they're fairly open about it. And uh, I think you'd have a lot more people sending kids into a non-belief critical thinking course than you ever would to a Bible uh, vacation Bible school thing. Absolutely. Yeah, well, there's a lot of other history that they don't teach when you go to Pioneer. Like, uh, how about when they get smacked with a ruler? <laughs> well, you know what, and that was one of our points because they actually did do something along that lines. Except they didn't smack them; they made them. Uh, I think they made them sit with their nose touching the the chalkboard or something for five minutes or something. It was a, a punishment you got, but they did that to stimulate what would have happened, which was you would have been taken out in the woodshed and given a good beating. Um, and I, I went to the school and I said, "Oh, well, we have to do the large prayer. We have to." Do it. I said, "No, you can just do like a rhyme, <laughs> you know, anything to simulate that. You don't have to actually do it. You don't." beat the kids, even though they did it in pioneer days. You don't need to be doing religious stuff, even though they did it in pioneer days. So, yeah, uh, there's all sorts of stuff like that. that I mean, you know, you just make accommodations. But they, the neat thing about it, too, is, you know, a big part of the pioneer days was the natives that were all around, and they had a religion, too. And, uh, you know, no mention of that whatsoever, no discussion of uh, that. Um, and, in fact, this is a Mennonite area. Um, oh, that's my background, the, Mennonite. Oh, there you go. <laughs> welcome, welcome to you know. I'm not going to say the club because it's not mine, but like everybody else here in town is. But uh, um, the uh, you know the fact of the matter is the first pioneers were French Canadians. They're Catholic. Oh, that's right. Yep. You know, so um, they didn't do anything Catholic either. You know, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of a oh no, we we have to have this. It's the pioneer days, but we're actually going to ignore ninety percent of the religious stuff that was going around in the pioneer times. We're only going to talk about the one that we want to promote. And it's it's, uh, it's pretty openly um, biased and, uh, and stuff. So you know this sort of stuff, and you know you're going to say, oh, we're not hurting anything. Okay, well, how about we do the other then? Let's let's promote the other religion as well. Oh, but we can't do that. And and that's the bias, right? That's that's where you see, um, you know, the the wolf in the sheep's clothing. But we're not doing anything wrong until we're going to be fair with somebody else, and then it's like, oh, now we have a whole different perspective. We were wondering if, uh, when you were going through all of this, uh, what level of hostility, what kind of hostility from people in the community did you uh, did you receive? Oh, yeah, good, uh, good, good uh, point. Um, there was some. Um, <laughs> humorous comment from the from the hearing from the uh, uh, lawyer from the um, um, Civil Liberties Association on that point that I had taken abuse and stuff through the community on it um, because there's a letters in the local paper type of a thing and the school board had gone out of its way to collect all these letters and submit them as evidence I didn't bother <laughs> people's opinion but uh, they did had done this so the civil liberties lawyer said well you know obviously uh, Mr. Schnarr suffered a lot of abuse and the uh, 
the lawyer for the school board kind of said, well, it really wasn't that bad. And I started laughing. Have you read some of these? <laughs> it's humorous. Um, I'll tell you right up. I've been public about non-belief uh, basically since I moved to Grimsby. So, you know, for years before this case. So people <clears throat> who wanted to confront me could have in advance. Um, this was just sort of, you know, something else I did. Um, so there may have been a sense of they didn't bother too much anymore. I don't know. Um, but the other side is because I had written stuff before and other people had attacked me, other people from the community had gotten in the habit of writing in to defend me. Um, I can honestly say that of what got printed, at least 50%, at least was supportive. And I would say it's probably more like 65 or 70%. Um, I had, I think, one guy call me who uh, was, you know, not, <clears throat> had a handful of people, people don't, and, and don't call people, by the way, if you see something in the paper, write them a letter, that's fine, nobody's ever threatened by a letter, but taking calls in your home type of a thing can be a little dis, um, uh, disruptive and, and uh, make, you know, take you a little uh, off at ease because you never know who's on the other end, but, um, but a handful of people called me to basically heartfelt thanks. Um, you know, for having stood up for it. Um, numerous letters in the paper, like I say, more than half support the, uh, this particular thing. Um, I had people contact me, uh, one lady from Mexico who heard about it. Oh, wow. Um, uh, the, the guy who actually went to school here and went to the local high school, he's a doctor, um, uh, a PhD of some sort. Can't remember what I think. Uh, one of the sciences out in Washington State now, but uh, wrote and uh, thanked me because of the negative experiences he had had through the school system here, and uh, was really appreciative that someone stood up. So, I, you know, I don't have trouble sleeping at night. You know, there's some people that really dislike me, and a whole lot of people that are really appreciative and have expressed it. So. That's good to hear. Today, I, yeah, I, I encourage people. Yeah, you got to have a little bit of thick skin. You are going to get some some nut cases. Um, you know, shooting their mouth off at you. But uh, uh, I actually got confronted. Um, there's a humanist group um, here in uh, St. Catharines that I spoke to um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was a, kind of a debate-type format. And so they had some, some religious people, and this one that came up, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> and uh, about three or four people took him aside and uh, explained to him that they didn't appreciate his attitude and, uh, and then came to me and said, no, don't be ashamed. You know, uh, you, you look at stuff like that. You got to look at the source, right? You look at the, the the people that are saying it, and you realize, like, honestly, those are the people I'm trying to help. Because somebody brainwashed them when they were in grade five, and I feel really bad. You know, they, they that screwed up their life. You look at some of those people; they were, you know, their lives revolve around a myth. It, you know, it's it's really sad. And uh, I'd like to stop some of the kids, you know, the next generation from suffering from that because, you know, like they end up there, they, you know, statistically lower income people, lower education. They're, they're not doing all that well. Um, and they've been really, really influenced by some of this stuff. I mean, that's, it's, it's a social harm as, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Um, so, you know, part of, part of the reason of speaking out and doing your show and me doing uh, the stuff that I do is, um, you know, to try to kind of, turn that tide a little bit and then maybe start stop some of that. I think it's abusive, it's harmful, it hurts kids, it hurts them when they grow up. Um, and very little bit helps. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you just got to be out there. You know, you just got to gotta make a little bit of noise to let people know that non-belief is okay. And uh, Penn uh, Gillette uh, made an interesting comment on that. Uh, he may have been copying it from somebody else, I'm not sure. Um, 
you know, if you if you break religion, it will never come back. Something else will come back. A different religion will come back. But that 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 what being, you know, that particular religion will yeah. never come back. Yep. If you destroy science, and it has happened in the dark ages and stuff, it will come back. People will figure it out again because it's true. So there's some place to go. The thing with this uh, stuff, if we can stop indoctrination, you know, we really are doing something. It, it only exists by indoctrinating children. You know, if you weren't indoctrinated as a child, you're not going to start jumping. I mean, a few people do, I guess, but almost no one jumps on these bandwagons. It's just because you were conditioned as a child to think that it's okay. And uh, um, it's not okay. You know, I mean, it's harmful. And does, uh, you, see, you see people that... Uh, you know, can ill afford it, giving uh, huge amounts of money to uh, some guy who's having parties and tapping his foot in bathrooms and stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, for for me, I was raised with the indoctrination, but uh, I guess my church was not aware of the danger of letting children watch Star Trek growing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gene Roddenberry's a huge, uh, uh, you know, been a huge influence. Absolutely, yeah. and he did exactly what we're talking about. I mean, he he brought um, uh, comparative religions into the main culture, you know, we're talking yeah. about maybe letting that into schools. He did that in on uh, Saturday afternoon TV. Um, you know, they, they they did stuff on some of um, the uh, Greek mythologies, but they also did they did a whole bunch of stuff on uh, that effectively, you know, just below the surface were were theological arguments, and uh, that uh, all sorts of different people had different ideas. He made that really apparent. So, oh, yeah, well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. Do atheists deserve religious protection? In a landmark ruling, the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal says yes. The ruling came after a battle between an Ontario father, René Chouinard, and the District School Board of Niagara. The tribunal weighed René's right to distribute an atheist book at school against the Gideon's right to hand out Bibles. The ruling declares atheism a creed that deserves the same religious protections as any other recognized faith. We're joined by René Chouinard in Toronto. He's the winner of the Human Rights Tribunal case that declared atheism a creed. René, why does atheism deserve the same protection as religion? Well, population in uh, Ontario and in Canada, um, non-belief has been uh, hugely growing. It's a huge part of our population. We certainly can't have um, any portion of our population that has less rights or different rights than any other group. I mean, this is just a fundamental basic principle of human rights that everyone uh, be treated equally. But what are the rights of atheists specifically that need to be protected? I can see how various religious rights might need protection, but what are the things that atheists do that need special protection? Well, the issue with the atheists is that uh, we have the same right um, if you're going to be uh, making public presentations, what have you, then non-belief has the same right to be presented in that. Uh, and, you know, um, social presentation that everybody has a religious belief is false. First you trade the Cadillac for a microphone. Then you lie to me about the van. Now you're going to put me right back in the joint. They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. Yeah, true, but he also brought in on the negative side, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, uh, he brought in, um, you know, kind of this allowability for people like Eric Von Donegan and the Ancient Aliens crew on the History Channel. Oh, that drives me nuts that Ancient Aliens is on the History Channel. But, you know, a lot of people who kind of didn't go and understand the message was kind of supposed to be a contemporary view of the world at, at the time, 
kind of take it as, oh, well, that means aliens are real and that our DNA has been altered by beings from another planet and UFOs are really Klingons. You know, like, so I mean, like, any particular show like that can kind of be taken wrong by the right people, I guess. You, 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 you make a, a, a just and valid point. I'm not sure we can hang that all on uh, Rottenberry. No, 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 no. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know what? You're, you're absolutely. I think what that speaks to a little bit is, you know, that religion, religious type ideas do form. I mean, it has something to do with our psyche, and we have to be on guard against them, and we're vulnerable to them just like everybody else. And yeah, you're absolutely right. People replaced the traditional religions with Bigfoot. Or alien abduction, or, or you know, um, uh, mediums, uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, when you're see through one, there's a tendency for people to shift to something else. And, and I think to be brought up in a critical thinking environment helps you a lot to not get sucked into something like that. I agree. That that's part of the issue with Santa Claus. To be honest, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but. Uh, you know, when you're when you're teaching uh, kids that there's a tooth fairy or the or that uh, um, you know any any kind of sort of thing. Oh, the cute stories and everybody enjoys them. But you're setting them up with an idea. Goes. You're setting them up with an idea that that this sort of realm is is reasonable, it, and uh, you're doing it at an age where even later on when you go, hey, by the way, that's not really true. It still affects them, and there's some interesting psychology uh, stuff on that. Um, there's an age period just it's referred to as preschool, but I think it carries up into grade one, um, where kids actually, when they learn stuff, they, they learn it uncritically and they uh, incorporate it in a very, very strong way. And it's very difficult for them to uh, to get over that after. So, yeah, you, um, your, your point's very well made that, that you know, if, we, if we got rid of all the religions, there would be new ones that would come up and it would be space aliens or whatever. It'd be something different, but it would be something. Um, but also that... Uh, Doing stuff with kids is something we really have to be, um, you know, I think there's a lot more research coming on that front, and we have to be a little careful there. You're right. Things do get into a child's psyche pretty hard. Uh, I mean, every once in a while, I still hold aloft my magic sword and say, by the power of Grayskull. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it, 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 it's true. Uh, I mean, kids are so impressionable. Like, I, I, I can't tell you how many injuries... I received as a child, like grabbing a skipping rope and trying to swing like Indiana Jones from my parents' banister in Montreal. <laughs> I think I broke like three tables trying to do that. <laughs> as long as it was only tables. Yeah, only tables. Yeah, and even growing up, the the kind of the tactics that we were talking about with they try and play it off as history or heritage. Even when I was uh, younger and I was a ardent evangelical Christian, I really didn't understand you know, that type of behavior. I used to have, uh, you know, I was a Christian into my early twenties and then kind of coasted as a Christian for another number of years. And I remember how many times having arguments with people in my church or other believers I knew in my family about that type of tactic. Like if you're dishonest with people, they're going to know. And they seem to think that, that people would just, uh, be, be tricked by the, the tactic and then become a believer and let it all go. And it would all be happy. <laughs> well, it's a, it, that's a funny, uh, a funny point because that is one of the strategies with the Christian apostolate. There's, you know, say anything. It doesn't make any difference whether it's true or not. Yeah. And uh, you know, because when you convert them, you're doing the right thing. Well, that's anything where the you do. You know, anything you do that ends up with them believing, and then later on you can go, well, that wasn't really true. But now that you're a believer, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, that's one of the main theories that uh, critical scholars have about where the Bible stories come from and why we have the variations in it is because these were stories that were being told to co convert people. 
And then when they got written down, there was different traditions and they had to try and amalgamate them. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A big part of that has to do with the, the Old Testament. Um, there used to be two, there was Israel and Jordan, I guess, which were the, sort of the, the north and the south <clears throat> groups. And uh, then when they united, um, they had the same stories, but they drifted. So that's why you tend to get uh, duplicate versions of things in uh, in the Old Testament. You get two stories of, of Noah and the Ark. You get two stories of creation, and they're not the same. <laughs> and they just kind of follow one after the other. It tells the story, and then it tells it again differently. Um, and that's probably where some of that comes from, yeah. Well, uh, Renee, this is Smashlock. I, I guess we haven't really been identifying who's speaking and when. Anyways, um <laughs> It's been an absolute. I haven't had a clue. Yeah. Okay. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure interviewing you. Um, I'm going to let Dragonbeard finish it off because I unfortunately stole my wife's van keys and have to go pick her up. <laughs> so um, such is life. Uh, thank you for answering all of my questions. I had a wonderful time. So I'll leave it to Dragonbeard and you to finish this interview off. Okay. Well, it's been great talking to you. All right. Keep up the fight, man. All right. Now you only have one troublemaker to deal with. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't know that you beat me out on the troublemaker uh, crown there, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've caused a bit of trouble myself. <laughs> well, if you're going to do any good in this world, some people are going to call you a troublemaker. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you, you do have to. I mean, you, you go along with what everybody else is doing, or you change things. And if you change things, there's going to be people upset that you did. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, that's what we need in. in I mean, unless you think it's an ideal world the way it is, then you need to change things. So if you don't have somebody mad at you by breakfast, you're not doing something right, you know? Yeah. Uh, The way I think of it is that we don't all have to, uh, we can't all be the person that's uh, making the case or making the speech or whatever the case may be, but we should all take enough time to consider the issues and from time to time show our support for someone who's trying to make things better. Both of those points are huge. One is we do have to stop and think about things and not just accept just because it's the way it's always been. Um, and, and that's huge just to stop and think. But the other side of the coin is to occasionally come up and say, hey, you know what, maybe I don't have to make the speech, but I'm going to let people know that I agree with it. You know, um, there's there's a huge, huge non-belief community. Uh, you know, and Terry, if you look at the last stats, 24%, just under um, 23.9, if anybody wants to call me on it, uh, are non don't belong to religion. Now, a lot of them may believe that there might be something, but they don't belong to religion. They reject religion, and, and to the point where they do that on surveys. So, there's a lot of um, research that's been done um, that's concluded that people lie about how religious they are in surveys. People say they're more religious than they really are. It's some cultural thing. We're not really sure why, but at this point, we have 23, 24 percent of the population in Canada saying that they're non-religious. Uh, 40% are Catholics, so if you talk to Catholics, like 95% of Quebec is Catholic, and 98% of Quebec doesn't go to church to have anything to do with it. I mean, you know, they're, they're Catholics because that's what their heritage is. Um, that brings you down to there's a fringe group of, uh, or a bunch of fringe groups around that have small numbers, and then you get to the Protestants. If you add up all the different Protestant numbers, you get something like 28%. There's like a four-point spread. We are that strong in Canada. And yet, if you go around, everybody's, you know, everybody agrees with us, 
but they say, oh, don't tell anyone, though. I don't want to get trouble at work. What do you yeah. mean you don't want to get trouble at work? <laughs> you know, unless you're in the Catholic, you know, if you're in the Catholic community and whatever. But, you know, Catholics, let's face it, uh, you know, I come from a Catholic background. So is my wife. And, you know, everybody's, everybody's Catholic. But, then, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Pope said that. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. And uh, the Protestant thing is the same same thing. The vast majority of the people, um, I met a guy who was, who was the, the governor of one of the churches here in town. He was like one of the guys on the board that runs the church. But he uh, he had a dispute with the new minister. And, and I said, well, what was the dispute about? The dispute was the new minister thought you should believe in God to be on the board. <laughs> so he had to leave. <laughs> you know? What? <laughs> I'm serious. Oh wow! You know, it's. I mean, you know, they're, they're, in some of those ch- churches, I kind of regretted not going to some because my kids were into music and they have good music programs. They have, you know, lots of social stuff. There's some good stuff going on there. But uh, so I see why people would go. But um, yeah, they're not. You know, this this idea that there's this huge Christian majority even in these rural areas or religious majority in 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 uh, more um, sec or more uh, um, diverse areas. Uh, it's nonsense. There's a huge non-religious majority in Canada. And most people that, that even say, oh, well, I kind of believe in it, don't do anything about it, don't care about it, wouldn't raise a finger to defend it. You know, we should speak out. That's all. We just let people know. Um, there, there's a huge pendulum and it's about to swing the other way. You just have to have people, you know, admit. Yeah, I remember once talking, this is a true story. I'm standing at the school waiting to pick up the, the kids in kindergarten. I was a stay-at-home parent. And there was three other fathers, and I'm kind of eavesdropping a little bit, and they're talking about something about, you know, this Sunday stuff, and, you know, and they're kind of bashfully saying, well, you know, we don't go very often and stuff. By trying to hold up appearances amongst themselves. All three of them had individually seen something I'd written in the paper previously and come and said, don't tell anybody, but really, I, you know, you're right on. I think that the religious stuff's all a bunch of crap, and I just don't want people to. <laughs> Three guys standing around trying to pretend that they're religious so that they impress the other two guys. All three of them, I knew not to be. <laughs> you know, crying out loud. Peer pressure, social and, pressure. Oh, yeah. It's just ridiculous. And just stand up and start saying, hey, you know what? I don't believe that stuff. That's just a bunch of nonsense. You know, some, some old guy made that up. <laughs> that, that, there's nothing to that. And frankly, once people start doing it, like we're not a minority. It's hard to find people that really think there's fairies. And in families, that's even tougher. I know uh, that there, you know, there. My family's been pretty easygoing about it. Uh, when I finally started telling them that I was an atheist, um, they aren't obviously overjoyed about it. The ones who are strong believers, and I've had as as it's only hostility I've gotten was uh, it wasn't really even hostility. It was just, oh, you know, that stuff's not true. That uh, our faith is true. You you know better. Now, that's not yeah. too hostile, but some families. They'll, you know, they'll kick their kids out of the house or. Uh... Yeah, there's a, there's a handful of really extremists and some of the um, uh, the really extremist religious um, groups um, are really bad for that. The Mormons are well known for it and Jehovah Witnesses and stuff get dis- disowned. Um, some of these really strong Mennonite communi- communities, you get kicked out and you're not allowed to see your near friends anymore and stuff. Um, so it, it really can be a huge thing. Um, the new thing about families that I found, and, you know, I got my side, which was evangelical. My mother is an evangelical um, person. Um, and my in-law's side, and in both cases, um, it's almost the same. It's reflected the society. 
I've, I've later found out that there, you know, it wasn't any, you know, the, the religious support. There was one or two dominant people that were pushing it really hard, and everybody else going, "Don't say anything. We don't want to upset grandma," type of a thing. Um, but that uh, they kind of played along with it. But that, in fact, um, uh, I've, I've had a lot of support from both sides of, of, uh, of you know, both the in-laws and my own family, despite the fact that there are elements in both that are very strongly religious. So. Um, you know, it, it's a tough issue with family. Um, I think I think you should come out and you should let them know because you're lying and you're being dishonest to your own family. So don't yeah, and that's why I did. That's why I did. Yeah. I just wanted to be honest about it, not to to tell them I was going to tell them off at the dinner table or anything. It was just like you know what we're having these conversations and I'm clearly allowing you to hold an old view of me. So I would finally start telling people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I I, th- I think you kind of have to, and, and you know, and like I say, if you get enough people doing it. Even in families, I think you'll find out that the, there's a fair amount of support for it. But I have to tell you, I said in uh, um, in some cases, I mean, it was years and years and years later that uh, people confided that, well, I actually agree with you. I just didn't want to say anything. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> a little support then might have been useful. <laughs> you know, because you really do kind of sometimes get left out thinking that you're the only person. And uh, it's not, uh, it, it isn't the case. But you're left with that impression because other people don't want to be left in a position where they're the only person. <laughs> Cowards. I don't know if it's been like this for you, but one of the most amusing things, uh, and I've actually gotten scowls when people realize that I have my eyes open when they're praying, <laughs> is that when I'm like at a family gathering or there's, there's a bunch of people there and the kids uh, will have their eyes open and they're looking around, they'll see that I'm the adult with my eyes open and they'll smile at me. <laughs> <laughs> this this kind of inside joke that we've got. We've both got our eyes open. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think that's about? Because you'll find that everywhere. And and I, I, you know, I don't have any studies or anything to back this up, but I'm really pretty sure what's going on there, especially you'll notice it's very often the young kids and kids that are just being indoctrinated, you know, and they'll, they'll come to you and they'll say, well, you know, Jesus is real, you know, and they'll look at you like, are you going to crack up laughing or, you know, because... I really think that they're they're testing to see whether or not they're getting fed a line or whether or not you yeah. really believe in it. So, oh no, we all close our eyes and stuff, and then they kind of go, well, okay, that's what we're so stupid. I'm going to look because I wonder if I'm closing my eyes like I'm being told to, and everybody else is pointing and laughing and thinking it's funny. I really think that even at very young ages, kids are looking at it going, really? <laughs> I'm supposed to believe what? <laughs> Yeah, um, because you see, you see that a lot with very young kids, and you know, you, you, they're just getting old enough to, you know, be indoctrinated and be told, "Oh yeah, I know there's fairy people," and uh, they're kind of going, "Really?" <laughs> you know, and I think you get the same thing around Santa Claus in grade one and grade two, where it's kind of a, yeah, "Really? I'm so sick. Is this really what's going on?" Or somebody pulling my leg, and they kind of get that sense that you know this doesn't really have pass the smell test. Yeah, and uh, you know they're right. <laughs> <laughs> so it is kind of a fun <laughs> but you're right it happens a lot and it's usually kids yeah and they just get this little mischievous smile they it's a, it's an inside joke that we have that even their parents don't know about they're not going to tell them because <laughs> they know they know the rules are supposed to be you close your eyes yeah <laughs> i think they're used to looking around and seeing other kids that aren't doing it that are also looking around because kids are always trying to learn right um, but when they see a grown up do it, I think it's a, a special treat for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit fun. And, you know, and, and as I say, you don't want to, I mean, it's, it's better to let them get indoctrinated than to criticize their parents because they, they really need that anchor. 
I, I, and I might be wrong on that point, but I really kind of think that kids need to have, even if their parents are nuts, they need to know that, you know, the parents are going to keep them safe and all that sort of stuff. They have a security. Um, there will be a time when, you know, when that breaks down and then it's more open. But certainly to have, uh, you know, a, uh, a smile during prayer time type of a thing where, you know, it kind of leaves that door open a little bit, that's that's not going to hurt the kid. It's probably going to give them a little bit of reassurance that there's other people around that, that uh, are looking at it too and that peak. Incidentally, um, you know the the uh, we were talking about uh, Gene Roddenberry earlier. You know Spock, this is three fingered thing. Yep. Do you know what that's from? Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Leonard Nimoy suggested that, right? He's uh, his Jewish yeah. background. That's something to do with the Jewish Jewish background. Yep. The Jewish tradition, right? Something in the in yeah. their tradition. There's a there's a point in their service where I think everybody turns and faces the back of the church or the um, temple or whatever the heck that is, and I think they're supposed to have their eyes closed. And the, the 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 rabbi stands behind them and speaking and and you know doing something right and uh, you're not supposed to look. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a young lad, Leonard Nimoy, and he just felt in the show that he needed to have something to make him stand out. But as a young lad, Leonard Nimoy decided, you know, curiosity killed the cat, and I got to have a peek. And he sneaks around, <laughs> he peeks around behind him, and sure enough. They do the three thing, the three finger thing with both hands spread out wide, um, you know, and it's some kind of a prayer thing. Yeah. But, uh, uh, obviously, three is a. There's a couple of things to show up. Um, Joseph Campbell speaks well of this. Uh, the, the late Joseph Campbell. Yep. He studied a lot of mythology, and the number three comes up a lot, and the whole Trinity type thing. And clearly, this is another example of it. Even though obviously Jewish, not Trinity, they don't believe in the Trinity, but there's a there's a and, it, and it, that crosses cultures for some reason. It's, uh, the number three shows up in, in religious ideologies all over the place, and uh, that, that, that would be an example of, uh, of it showing up there. But, yeah, that's where that's from. It's, uh, it's uh, Leonard Nimoy as a young lad. That's amazing. <laughs> the eh? rules and peeking <laughs> when everybody's supposed to be praying. So we all benefited a lot. Uh, in my opinion, from him not listening to mommy and daddy that day, <laughs> uh, because we because we got more finger dexterity. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It took me a while, but I did master doing it on both hands when I was younger. <laughs> oh, well, there you go, there you go, and 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 uh, thousands of listeners now are are giving it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I know you have uh, some family stuff coming up, so I'll let you go. Again, thank you very much for coming on the show and talking about the experiences you went through and offering up any insight that hopefully someone will listen to this and be able to get a bit of a context where before they were just floating. I had no idea how any of it works. Yeah, I appreciate the exposure, actually, because you're right. There's a lot of people that don't really understand the process. And uh, um, a big thing I get often is, you know, how is that a human rights thing, handing out Bibles in schools? And it, it's a human rights thing because you're treating one religious ideology or one person's personal beliefs differently and giving it superior, superiority over other people's beliefs. And even if they're not attacking your beliefs, if they're promoting theirs, that, that's equally uh, discriminatory. So, so just it's sort of an opportunity to let give people a better understanding of, uh, of that and why that's an issue and why we should be concerned about it. Uh, it's a social thing, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to voice it. Yeah, anytime. So thanks for listening in. I hope that you picked up on a few good pointers there. All of the different audio you've heard, the media, and all the different subjects he's talked about is covered on his website, which I'll put in the show notes. And I'll let you connect through his website. 
That way you'll uh, hopefully get the best of what you're looking for and you'll decide to contact him so he can advise you or give you a little inspiration. You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. It saddens and hurts me that the two young men whom I raised to believe in the Ten Commandments have returned to me as two thieves with filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Get out and don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> 